Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is Lauren Schles, who's an occupational therapist, also an Alexander Technique teacher in Manhattan, and Lauren uh, specializes to some extent uh, in working with uh, children, and we're going to talk today particularly about the issue of handwriting, how children learn how to write, and what are some of the the issues that come up with that. Lauren, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I wonder if you could begin by uh, giving our listeners a very brief uh, description of the Alexander Technique, and then a, a brief description of the of the particular occupational therapy specialty that you have. Okay. The Alexander Technique is learning about your own particular habits and how you move and use your body and learning about where you're going astray in your coordination um, by using excessive muscle tension, particularly going into a startle pattern, tightening the muscles of your neck when you move. And then once you learn about your habits, then you can learn a way of inhibiting your responses to how you do things so that you can learn to use your body in a much more coordinated way. Okay. And in your particular occupational therapy specialty, could you say just a word or two about what it is and who you work with? Oh, sure. I'm a... I'm a sensory integration therapist, and uh, I work with children who have sensory processing issues, which means that their nervous systems don't take in and process sensory information in the way that we would expect it to. Um, Very often, the way that they're wired, anything that they're getting in through their senses, sounds, smells, uh, touch, is interpreted as a threat instead of a neutral stimulus or something that we wouldn't even register. So there, a lot of them are like on a fight-or-flight response all the time, which makes it difficult for them to attend at school. Mm-hmm. And getting to our specific to- topic today, which is learning how, learning how to write or handwriting, I guess, uh, what, what kind of issues do you find come up with that in in children learning how to write. And I know that from my own experience, when I was in uh, grade school, I believe writing came in in fourth grade. You mean cursive writing? Cursive writing, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, definitely a challenge for me. I I was not, I was very weak in, it was called penmanship. And I had to actually stay after school quite often to... uh, uh, apparently, to per- perfect my my penmanship. So I'm wondering what kind of issues you run into that, and what you would take away from your experience that might be useful for parents of kids who are having trouble learning how to write easily. Well, I think the first thing for me, especially in Manhattan, is that um, according to Piaget, who was the great theorist on um, child development, Mm -hmm. the physical underpinnings 
for writing don't come into place until about the age of six. You need to have a certain amount of strength in your trunk to support the fine motor control in your hands. You also need to have that same amount of control in your neck in order to coordinate the fine movement of your eyes for reading and for writing for close work. You need to have a certain amount of attention span and you need to have a certain amount of abstract thought. Um, in Manhattan, children are expected to start learning how to hold pencils at the age of three, which is well before they're ready to do it. The other thing here in Manhattan, and I, I believe it's probably happening in other cities as well, um, you know, when I was growing up in the Midwest, I still remember the raw prairie. And our mothers would just kick us out the back door in the morning and expect us at home, you know, sometime before it became dark. And we would have the entire prairie to run around on. We would ride our bicycles. We would play games out on our lawns. We would spend the day moving. Um, and children in Manhattan don't have that same opportunity. They need adult supervision pretty much all the time because, you know, you just can't send a kid out to play on Park Avenue. Right. Um, and because of that, they're not getting the movement experiences that they need in order to mature their nervous systems. Mm -hmm. and, and you said that, that it's at three years old that kids are? Is this like pre-pre-kindergarten? or? Uh... Yes, I, I often get calls, uh, you know, from a parent who wants me to teach her child who is not even four years old how to write his name so that he can be accepted into preschool. Oh, okay. It's really... The bar is getting set higher and higher and higher on the one hand. And on the other hand, children are, you know, they're being raised by nannies who wheel them around all the time, don't take them out of their strollers, um, don't take them to the park. And so I've rarely met a kid in Manhattan who was on you know, like on his timeline with his gross motor development. And what people don't understand is those are the things that allow us to sit and attend and do all those fine things it, mm -hmm. um, in the body. So if, if a, a child is being pushed into writing uh, earlier than they really their developmental situation would warrant, what, what typically happens Oh, lots of things. <laughs> the The first thing I see is that when a child comes into the clinic to meet me, I'm usually quite astounded at, at their posture. Mm -hmm. They just, they're sitting there and they're just completely slumped over. Um, and the other thing is that when they, they, they go to write, the way that they hold their pencil typically is quite... Um, dysfunctional and inefficient. The best way to hold your pencil is with an open thumb and forefinger, like, um, you know, you're making an okay sign, with the, the middle finger resting behind to support the pencil. When you are using that open thumb position, then your fingers can easily move in and out of your palm to form the tails of the letters. But because kids are now required to write so much earlier than they're physically ready to do it, 
they're given pencils and because they're not um they're not ready to do it they don't have that fine motor control they're grabbing the pencil in any possible way that they can and they're they're making up for the lack of stability in their trunk by gripping the pencil in a fist and using a closed thumb which then means that their fingers have nowhere to go and they're using their entire arm to write which is very inefficient and very tiring mhm and typically um I assume would lead to some sh- uh, shoulder tension as well and probably tension into into their necks. Yes, very much so. And a lot of kids, you know, children really have, they don't have the verbal sophistication to tell people what's wrong. You know, they can only really act out or refuse to do things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the children will come into the clinic and they will just refuse to engage in any kind of tabletop activity. They won't write. And it's because they, it's painful. It's physically painful for them. And also a lot of the time, because they don't have that good uh, trunk strength, their eyes aren't working very well. So it's physically exhausting for them, you know, to, to look down at the paper and try to see what they're doing. So, it sounds from what you're saying like it's it, for starters it's a, a big mistake to try to um force kids to learn to write before they're developmentally able for that would be the first implication i get from what you're saying and then the second thing uh would be how from a parent's point of view how would you suggest a parent deal with this situation if a school requires it um, and and there's pretty good evidence that the child is not ready? What, what can a parent do in a situation like that? Well, um, I think the PTA can really be quite a powerful tool. And if the if the parents get together and you know especially here in Manhattan a lot of the the private schools you know are um i think it might be a bit easier to negotiate these things with a private school than a public school i don't really know but if mm-hmm. enough of the parents got together and asked you know for shifts in the curriculum that might be one way to do it mm-hmm. the other problem that i see is that um you know, um, when I was growing up, we also had penmanship. I remember the teacher instructing us on how to write, um, modeling for us, and we had time carved out of our day in order to do that. Um, now, what typically happens is that the teacher will pass out a workbook and tell the children, this is your handwriting book, do the exercises and hand it back in with very little to no instruction or the teacher will just require the children to write without ever actually teaching them how to do it. And I have um, been trained extensively in teaching handwriting both individually and in teaching other people how to teach it. And I have offered to go into schools and teach the teachers for free how to teach handwriting. And the response I almost always get is, there's not enough time in our curriculum to teach handwriting, Mm -hmm. which is kind of insane to me because, you know, the foundational skills of learning to read and learning to write and learning to spell and learning math those those are like the building blocks for learning, and if you don't have them, 
you're you're not going to succeed in school. So um, I I would suggest very strongly that the parents demand that um, that handwriting be a part of the curriculum and that time be set aside every single day for handwriting and that the teachers be trained in how to do it. I, I can I can I can see the value of all of those ideas, but now I'm thinking in terms of uh, a parent whose whose child is in school. Uh, no change, no changes are likely to come about in, in any short period of time. So their child is in this situation where they're being asked to write and not earlier than they should be and without the proper instruction. So I would think that from a practical point of view, if you're a parent and your child is in that situation, uh, the immediate thing you're going to need to focus on is how can you take over that part of the job or at least part of it or find somebody such as yourself to to work with their child. Um, but, you know, in the real world, I don't think most parents have access to outside specialists like that. And they're going to have to um, somehow, uh, they're going to have to intervene in some way. And what, can you offer any practical suggestions for a parent who's in that situation? Sure, they've they've tried to you know get get changes in the school, but if it's a typical public school, I'm guessing that's not going to happen anytime soon. So what what should a what should a parent do who observes their child writing? Probably, if they watch carefully, can see a lot of excess excess tension coming into the child as they write. What would you suggest for a parent? Okay. The first thing I would suggest is if you see that the child does not have a good grip on his pencil, throw away all the markers, all the big fat crayons, all the giant sized pencils, and start out by just supplying the child with very small pieces of chalk and crayon to write with mm -hmm. because that will force the child to hold the pencil, I mean the the nub of crayon or chalk between the thumb and forefinger. So by small, you mean small diameter? No. Well, or? I mean like uh, like if you took a regular Crayola crayon and just broke it into okay. like one-inch pieces or okay. just gave the child a broken piece of chalk. Okay. The other thing I would suggest is um, getting getting rid of the, the chairs and buying the child an easel so that the child can write standing up mm -hmm. because if you're you know if you're not slumping at the table you have less opportunity to uh you know to form these bad habits also when you're standing you have to work very hard to keep your shoulder elbow and wrist above gravity which will strengthen them and the stronger they are the more support you'll have and the more support you have the, the less you need to slump I would also suggest encouraging the child to lie on his belly when he's doing homework propped up on his elbows because that will strengthen up his neck and stabilize his shoulders. Mm -hmm. um, lie on his belly while writing or reading? Mm -hmm. or, uh huh. Okay. That kind, know, of, that kind of goes against a lot of conventional thinking, doesn't it? 
In what way? Uh, well, I don't know. I just think uh, maybe I'm... I, I guess when I went to school, the idea is that when you did schoolwork, you sat at a desk or a table, and I, I don't think anyone encouraged you just to lie around. And, and <laughs> but but I'm I, I think times have changed, and so you you think there's a real advantage to lying flat on the floor, propping yourself up with your with your elbows. Right. Okay. And you don't have to do it for long periods, but, but... have it as an option. Have it as an option because okay. it will really strengthen up the child's neck and stabilize his shoulders. Okay. Um, there is um, a website where I would send parents called www.hwtears.com. It's a website for a writing system called Handwriting Without Tears. And that's the method that I use in my practice. Okay, we'll put a link we'll put a link to that site by the by the interview. So that that site has a number of additional specific suggestions for a parent? Well, the first thing is the site uh the site sells really wonderful handwriting workbooks mm -hmm. and it takes the child letter by letter through good habits of letter formation. Okay. Which means in, in order to write quickly and neatly, you need to start all your letters, if you're writing in print, you need to start all of your letters from the top, the, normally the top left or the top center, mm -hmm. so that your hand is always traveling in the same direction. If you start some of your letters from the bottom and some of them from the top, you're starting and stopping your hand so many times that when you try to write faster, it falls apart and you can't keep it neat. Mm -hmm. So, and I assume there are other there are other resources and suggestions available at that site that you oh, would yes. recommend. I would say pretty much ninety percent of what I know about handwriting I I learned from the woman who developed it, Jan Olson. Okay. Now, getting back to your question about. Um, posture and sitting. Mm -hmm. When I go to schools and I observe the children in their classrooms, I often see that the children are sitting in furniture that doesn't um, fit them. And if I go into a child's home, very often the child is writing at the dining room table and their feet are dangling. Mm -hmm. And, they're, and the, the, the dining room table is up against their chest. And it's so important, first of all, to have the child's feet solidly flat on the floor when he's writing because that sends the contact of his feet on the floor sends a postural signal up the legs and up the spine which helps the child sit up tall and it's also important for the desk to be not so high like not up towards their chest but down around their belly buttons so that their arms have plenty of room another thing that you can do is supply the child with a slant board you can find them very inexpensively online or you can even just tape together a couple of notebooks mm -hmm. because putting the um, putting the work on a slant will help the child visually and it will also support the the wrist, which makes it easier sometimes for the child to write. Mm -hmm. Now we're we're going to have another interview shortly on the, on children's posture specifically. Okay. So we'll we probably shouldn't won't want to say too much more about posture considerations, although it clearly it ties in with 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 an activity like handwriting. Um, I think probably we've 
covered enough ground in general uh, on the topic of handwriting. I wonder if you have any final words about specifically how the Alexander technique might be useful for a parent who was willing to take on this this responsibility, which clearly from everything you said is not is not a good idea to leave to the schools in most cases so a parent who is uh you know prepared to to spend some time and thought on the subject is there anything that the alexander technique might offer that, that would make their job a little easier well alexander felt that um the beginning of the loss of coordination came when the child went to school because of being forced to do things before he was physically ready to do them. So just bearing in mind, first of all, watching how the child goes about accomplishing the tasks that the grown-ups are being um, are setting out for him, if he's imposing a lot of twisting and pulling and excess excessive muscle tension on himself, it's probably too early to expect him to do the task. Um, I think this is maybe a little sophisticated, but just staying with the means whereby you accomplish something. If you give a child a pencil and the only way that he can hold it is in his fist, he's using the only means whereby available to him. And we need to look at, you know, different ways of helping him go about those things. Mm -hmm. The other thing is... Um, just staying really aware of the child's use and helping the child, you know, um, allowing his spine to stay in length, you know, where are his legs, where are his shoulders, allowing his shoulders to continue to release out to the sides. If those things aren't really happening naturally, it's because the child just doesn't have the physical support to do those things and he's... Um, you know, trying to manufacture it the only way he has available. Now, we should say that the term use uh, is a bit of Alexander jargon here that I think most of our listeners may not uh, may not know what, what it means. I mean, basically, it's, it's how well a person carries out a any activity. And in this case, we're talking about writing. And I just wonder, uh, uh, it might be a bit much to ask a parent to be able to... Uh, judge that quality if they haven't had any Alexander training themselves. Yes, that's really true, isn't it? I think, I think again, as I think, um, I mean, it sounds kind of uh, self-serving in a way, but uh, probably if a parent really wanted to do the best job possible, they might want to invest in a few Alexander lessons for themselves uh, which would have all kinds of useful benefits probably, but at the very least would alert them a little more to um, we could call them misuse patterns in their in their children. Uh, so, I mean, that, that it, it's probably, I mean, as a practical matter, we're, 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 we're really asking a lot of a parent or, or caregiver here, but on the other hand, as you said earlier, the stakes are pretty high. Absolutely. So, why don't we? Uh, why don't we? We 
end this conversation and then we're we're about to have another one uh, on on the whole question of children's posture. Does that sound okay? Sounds okay to me. Okay, and so uh, my my guest today has been Lauren Schles, who is an occupational therapist and an Alexander Technique teacher in New York City in Manhattan. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. <laughs>